are going to still have a, a great chapel, and we got to make the best use of our time, so uh, let me see how you do on your quizzes, quiz number one. What's the theme this year, this summer? Eight seconds. What's our prayer? God, you're good. I am. Others need help. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, you are good. I like that one. In the last couple chapels, we went through several things, and I pray that they've made some difference. I can say some things that just drive right home the point. Other times, you say, well, that might not be me. I hope this message tonight will catch everybody. If you got a Bible, turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Let's see. It's just a few nights ago that it came in. Welcome to Thursday night chapel. Last night of chapel as the curtain draws to a close. But we're going to not usher that closing in too quickly. Let's enjoy tonight. God's going to work. Our theme was, what did you say? You passed our test. Yeah, our prayer is, God, you're good. I need help. Others need help. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I talked to you about removing the mask. Quit pretending. Because God knows us anyway. I don't know why we feel like we can fool Him. Remove the mask. We talked about some Pharisees and Sadducees that tried to act religious and they didn't know God. But they pretended like they knew about God. So I said, quit faking it. Because God knows anyway. And it reminds you of Hophni and Phinehas, two brothers that were brothers to a priest named Eli, and they were way far from God. I don't think they really knew Him. And they only pulled God out in a what? In a uh, They pulled the ark out, but what, why did they pull the ark out? The battle was coming up, or that was a, what did you all say, like an emergency, crisis? Yeah. If, they were, if there were not a battle, I don't think they'd have pulled the ark out. And the arks were represented God. So they were the kind of people that only pulled God out when they needed Him. God's a fire escape, in other words. I've had a few friends that would probably do that. They call me, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of a question. What do you... Yeah, what do you need? What do you want? Because, in other words, you never call me unless you want something. Sort of sad that some people are like that. So here comes the ark out, and God, if He was, what do y'all want? Because you never pay me any attention. So the Pharisees, Sadducees, were they saved? No. They're fakes. Very religious. Had all the... Wore the robes, wore the prayer shawls, do it all. Fake. Hobney and Phineas, yeah, they're fake. They didn't really care about God, and they just brought out the reminder of God. And guess what? It didn't work. They used him as a landslide. Need something good out of you. They lost. They lost their lives. Their father was lost his life. Hmm. And one of them's son was the only one that made it out of that story. So four people died before that story was through. Wow. Well, if I left you with that, that'd be sort of sad. So I had to tell you another story this morning. And this person... She sat down in a chair one day and she held her son and he was sick, but when he finally did what at noon? He died. She did not let that face her faith because she, she didn't have to worry about this Numbers verse. Numbers 32, 23 says this. 
You may be sure your sin will find you out. Hophni and Phineas had sin. The woman this morning, the Shumanite, she never had anything to... She was so close to God, so when she went and got God in crisis, it was really like, I go to Him every day. I might as well go to Him when I really need Him for a special need. But she was used to going to Him. She was used to going to Him. As a pastor, I've spoken at a few funerals, and I can tell on some of them, it's just another occurrence to some people because they go to church all the time, and we have the funeral to say goodbye to somebody. It's like, hey, nothing new. I talk to God all the time. It's others you can tell. They're a little awkward at the funeral. It's probably the first time they've ever been in church. They have no idea who God is. They wear a tie, but you can tell they're uncomfortable and they can't wait to get out of that. And it's like, ugh, don't like this. It's awkward. This woman was nothing like that. So she was very much at home. So this picture, next thing, that's what I picture the Shumanite is. She didn't have to suddenly, i got to get right with God. No, she's like, run and get the man of God. And they got him, and everything was fine. Son survives. So I hope you've been learning that. I don't, uh, I don't want to leave you with this. God wants you to be real to him, okay? God wants you to be real. God does not want you to be fake. God does not want you just to pretend like you do stuff. And when you, uh, He wants it from the heart. So I don't want to be Hoffman and Phineas, fake. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. I want to be like this woman, this Shumanite, who had a heart of love for God. So, I mentioned something today, and this is my prayer tonight. I mentioned that Joshua Bell, the great concert violinist, they missed where he was. And I don't want you to miss a master tonight. I'm, it scares me sometimes. I'm encouraged today. I've talked to a few of you, and I appreciate that. And you let me know that God speaks to you and the messages make a difference. That's encouraging. But some of you might have just floated in for the week and you're ready to leave tomorrow. Oh, my. I don't want you to miss a master. I'll jog your memory from what I said this morning. By the way, see that woman standing there watching him? She was the only one that knew who he was. A one-time child prodigy got his lessons at uh, four years old. Nobody in here is four about by anybody. Can anybody play the violin by some chance or something? See, I can't. But at four years old, his parents came in one time and he was in the bedroom and he had the dresser drawers open. Okay? You know where you put the clothes? Had the drawers open. He had rubber bands over them. He was playing the rubber bands. He would adjust the drawers to get different sounds. He was four. And they went, oh, okay. We got a special little boy on our hands. Started giving him music lessons at four because he was already, hey, Mom, how's it going? You know, just in here playing the drawers. You know, it's like, <laughs> goes and gets Dad. Have you seen him in there? Child prodigy, by the time he's 21, 25, he just is great. By the time he keeps going, he starts selling out concert halls at $100 a ticket. Next thing about Joshua Bell I thought was so interesting, he emerged at the... He really played in a little arcade next to the subway system. And people started passing him by that day. By most measures, he was nondescript. Nondescript means he would no, nobody would notice him. Has anybody ever heard this verse in the Bible that says, humanly speaking, he was a man of... What? Sorrow. And people esteemed him not. Who are we talking about, by the way? That's Jesus. Jesus was not a person that anybody would have walked by and went, Wow, hey, look at that guy. He is sharp. 
Jesus would have not got your attention in a crowd. Joshua Bell didn't get their attention in a crowd. He's nondescript. He just wears a ball hat. People just went by. By the way, he's playing a violin that cost a little something. Let's see. Next thing about him. It was 7.51 a.m. on Friday, January the 12th. Chances are some people are flying in, they're going to work. He's playing a violin that was made in 1713. It cost three and a half million dollars. He opens up the case and puts a little seed money in there. That means when people come by, if they saw it empty, they'd think, this guy's awful, why should I give him money? But if they see a few pennies or dollars or whatever in there, they think, maybe I'll give some. By the way, people did toss pennies. To me, that was almost laughable. He's got a violin that cost $3.5 million, made 300 years ago by Stradivaria, and he opens up the case to hold this $3.5 million violin, and people are throwing pennies in the case of a $3.5 million violin. They have no clue who this is. And 1,097 people pass by. A few pause, most walk on by. It was only in about the last part of when he was there doing his concert that this happened. One person came by. Her name was Stacy Furacawa. She stopped, looked in front of him, and listened for a few minutes, and then she came over and she said, You're Joshua Bale, aren't you? Anyway. She said, I just saw you last week, like in Boston. You're amazing. She said, I can't believe that people are passing you by. And it's like, nobody knows I'm the what? The master. Hmm. When it was all over, here's what this concert violinist had made. $32.17. Hmm. Played for almost an hour on a $3.5 million, 300-year-old violin and gets basically 30 bucks. One man was later told who was there, and he said, Oh, can I go back and hear him now? <laughs> no, that was yesterday. Wouldn't it be sad if some of you come in and say, oh, can, can I make a decision? You can make a decision for Jesus anywhere. But, but if you say, Can I have that camp excitement and atmosphere next week? Well, no, it, it's going to end tomorrow. So what should I do? Don't miss the Master. Picture Jesus now standing in front of you and he says, I know every heart in this room. Some of you have messed up even today. Some people call those mess up sins. He would say, Uncle Paul, the guy that you really think's great, he's messed up today. Edgar Moser, the speaker, he's messed up today. So don't feel like I'm the only one that messes up. You know what I do? I refuse to get knocked down and stay down. So when the devil smacks me down, I told Uncle Paul, I feel like he's you know, he throws things at us. That's because we're giving you a message that will change your life. So you say, boy, I've messed up a lot. Well, then you'll love tonight's message because here's what it's about. I hope you don't miss the master. Here's what Billy Graham said. Don't miss what the Lord has in store for those who love him and are willing to let him be the master of their lives. If you see the master tonight, if you see him, hear him and say, then don't miss it. Billy Graham would say, don't miss what the Lord has for you. Billy Graham was a pretty godly man to me. Don't miss what the Lord has in store for those who love Him. How many people love Jesus? You say, well, that's only half of it. Yeah, well, I mean, loving Him's great. He says, okay, I have three things I want you to keep in mind. I want you to love me. By the way, how many people love Jesus? Put your hands down. How many people love Jesus? 
He said, Golly, you've asked three times. That's our story tonight. Jesus says, Peter, three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What are you trying to do? Trying to make sure you do. By the way, I won't get over your heads right here because I want to make this very simple, but really he was, I won't tell you the different ways he was asking, do you love me? But he finally talks to a man and says, bottom line, this is like a children's, you know, the little children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know. That's what he was really, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was saying, well, I've messed up. Probably he was embarrassed. Well, let's see. I'm going to give you some hope because if we mess up, God's got a plan for you. So God loves you. God's got, God will forgive you and God's got a plan. Okay, let's see. God loves you. God will forgive you and God's got a plan. I'm going to switch that. All right, God loves you. Then we should say back what? I love God. God will forgive you. I've received His forgiveness. God's got a plan. I want in on that plan. Here's His plan. It's not a sin to get knocked down. It's a sin to stay down. I got knocked down today. Anytime I sin, I get knocked down. But watch this. See, here's what some people do. They get knocked down to the ground. And then they just... Oh, and then they may sit up and they, boy, I don't know, I'm pretty... Oh, I don't even feel like trying. Hey, Johnny, what are you doing? I don't like where you both just sit on the ground and let... Or how about this? We get knocked down and we get back. <laughs> the devil goes, Tell you, God! And that's what you say back to the devil. Edgar won't stay down. I used to get him down. He'd stay down. He gets right back up. He keeps coming at me. Because you know how I can get back up? How is it that you get back up so quick? First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us unto of anything that's unrighteous. So I get right back up and I keep going. I, I ask you tonight, please don't stay down. Well, I mess up a lot. Let me help you out with that too. I want you to see the Master tonight. Don't miss Him like those guys did Joshua Bell. I want you to know that He's the God of second chances. You know what? I think you finally got my attention. I need another chance. Okay. Lamentation says this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. If anybody needs some hope tonight, great verse for you. I use this, by the way, when I get out of bed. I might have messed up the day before, but when I get up the next day, I say, morning by morning, new mercies I see. God, I need your mercy today. Forgive me. I forgive you. Let's get going. And the devil goes, wow! I used to just keep him defeated. He just jumps out of bed and gets going. So the first one reminds you, they're new every morning, those mercies of God. Great is your faithfulness. First John 1 9, if we confess, confess means to agree. Quit offering excuse. God, you are right. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The next one. Then Jonah prayed. Everybody knows about Jonah. Jonah was running from God. Some of us sort of do that at times, want to stay away from him. Jonah prayed in chapter 2, God. He prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He's saying, I called out to God out of my distress and He answered me. And the last one. This is maybe my favorite. Now listen, in case you're asleep, I want you to wake up. You ready? If I thought that you might have messed up, let's just pretend. Did you mess up today, by the way? Okay. How many times did you mess up? We'd lose count? Okay. Okay, let's pretend like she's messed up twice. As a matter of fact, um, if she sinned only three times today, that's one every eight hours. She'd be a walking angel, by the way. Once every eight hours. 
three times a day. At the end of the week, she's messed up 21 times. At the end of the month, 84 times. End of the year, give or take about 1,200. And then, hmm, this is not sounding good. No, she lives to the ripe old age of 85, 90. She's only committed 90,000 sins. God, I've only committed 90,000 sins. Uh, would you forgive me? Imagine standing in front of the principal. I've only missed every day of school. Uh, can I still graduate? <laughs> we're, we're having a problem. Stand in front of a judge. I've only got 82 speeding tickets today. Uh, and can, can you help me out? No. Jack the jail up. Put you under it. Put the jail back down. No. Teacher, I know you give me 100 questions. I, I did get one right. Can you pass me? Not only if I can pick you up. So I, try, I, try to, I try to give my students humor at home and it doesn't even work sometimes. Somebody come up the other day, senior graduate, and said, Mr. Mose, will you miss me? I said, not if I use a scope. She never even got it. She went, okay. No, I just, I didn't mean that at all. I was just kidding with her, but no, I said yes, sure. Sure. My point is, I mess up. She's messed up how many times today? And yet she feels, I'm just going to read your mind. Blank right now. Okay, there it is. Uh, I'm reading her mind, and she says this. She says, "Sometimes in my life, I just feel so bad that I wonder if God will really forgive me." I've done that before, and you've done that. We've messed up once or twice. Let me just show you, everybody. Now think through this process, because I'm trying to teach you something you'll take home next week and say, "All right, that worked," and I'm defeating the devil. Thank you, God, because this will work. You've been however old you are up to this point, and some of you asked Jesus to save you. I don't know how many sins you'd made up to that point. Let's say 5,000. And Jesus forgives them all. Now you're a Christian and you mess up five times today and we all, God won't forgive me. He forgave you 5,000 times. Why do you think He's having trouble with these five? Oh, then that's me. Yeah, it's you. It's not God. God wants to forgive you. What if I mess up more than once? Peter had this problem, I think, in his mind. He said, God... I know you've forgiven me, but I'm having trouble with my friends. When they mess up, I'm going to give them a couple chances. So he said this verse. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often... Now go back to that, Paul. How often should I forgive my friends? And he tried to... Three times was a Jewish custom. Peter thought he would double that, making himself look good. Do I have to forgive him seven times? Jesus says, how about uh, 70 times seven? I'm supposed to give my friends 490 times? Yes. So now if Jesus would tell Peter to forgive somebody 500 times, I don't think God's going to have trouble forgiving you. I've got to remember that next week. See, that's what you've got to do. So on Monday when you wake up and you're not in this camp atmosphere and you've already made a decision for Jesus and you've already fell down, what am I going to do now? You're going to get up, ask forgiveness, and keep going. Why? It defeats the devil when you do that. Tonight's story in John 21 is about a man named Peter who fell flat on his face. Matter of fact, he denied Jesus three times. He cursed on the third time and said, I don't know the man. That wasn't really Peter's heart. I'm so thankful God knows my true heart. Even when I sin, he says, I know what you're really like, and I know you, get, you fall, just get back up, let's keep going. 
So in John chapter 21, Peter has denied Jesus three times. And he needs a chapter like this because grace is going to change everything. I looked up a couple commentaries on this, and in the first few verses of this chapter, Peter decides to do something. Read chapter 21, the first few verses, and see what you get. Later, Jesus approaches about the pier began to the disciples besides the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, from Peon, came up in Galilee, and the son from Okay, stop right there. I want somebody to get in math. Tell me how many disciples are going fishing. Count them up. Not 12? Can't be 12. One of them's gone, by the way. Judas hung himself in case you missed out on that. That was the guy that killed himself because of a guilt. We only have 11. How many of the 11 just went fishing? Afterwards, Jesus appeared to the disciples. It appeared this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus. That means twin. Thomas had a twin. Nathaniel, from Canaan, Galilee. Two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. And two other disciples. Did you add them all up? There's seven out of the eleven going fishing. Now one of the commentators I looked up, or one of the commentaries I looked up said he was just going fishing for the day, just wanted to get away from everything. Another commentary said he was going back to the old way of life. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. And don't worry, I'm not picking on you at all. I'm just asking you to do something. I don't care what age you are, whether you're 12 or 25. Have you ever felt like, just sort of like, quitting? Come on. Yeah, look around. We're all in the same boat. So the next time a devil says, you're the only one that feels like it. No, you're not. We all feel like that. I'm tired. Lord, I will never, let's just say, uh, snorkel is a cuss word. Snorkel, snorkel, all day long at school. Come here, snorkel, you know, to turn the TV on. Snorkel, yeah. And then finally, God, God, I've said snorkel 800 times. So sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to do that anymore. And stop. Snorkel. Yeah. See, that's how the devil works in it. Promise God, I'll never do that again. Just a, snorkel. I'm sorry. Oh, snot. And we, now we're really, now we feel like a dog and we forget it. This Christian life's too hard. It's what Peter may have thought. Let's see, my last recollection of Jesus is when I said, I don't know you three times. And Satan goes, yes, that's it. Just give up. Give up. Give up. Be a quitter. Simon Peter just says, I'm going fishing. Hey, y'all want to come with me? He was such a leader, he brought practically the whole gang with him. So they go out fishing. James and John are professional fishermen. They're the sons of Zebedee. They make a living fishing. They would have starved to death if this is how they fish. You know what they caught for the night? Nothing. Great fishermen. I'm going out fishing. Y'all want to come with me? Sure, we'll all go. So they went out, got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Jesus just smiles like, oh, if I've ever, Lord, I don't even know if I can pastor this church. Oh, yeah, you can. I don't even know if I can go to class tomorrow, says you. I don't even know if I can make it through another practice yeah you can early in the morning who knows 5.30 I'm not sure Jesus stood on the shore I love this please think now with me don't don't sit there and do right out no no these disciples are out there casting nets they've given up on maybe Jesus given up on let's just find it forget this 
Do you realize the spiritual intensity of this temptation right here? Jesus is called how many disciples? Started off 12 and then one of them gave it up. So we've got 11 disciples that Jesus has called to do what? No big deal, just change the world. And Satan is trying to get a hold of seven out of the eleven. If he can win this, it's all over. You know, around in 1973, there was a plane that crashed and the Marshall University football team was on it. Hmm. They were flying back in, I guess close to where Marshall University is, whether that be in Morgantown or whatever, that, that's where the no, West Virginia University is, but they were flying back into Huntington, I think, is where Marshall is. guy caught the top of a cliff the mountain, killed about whole football team, including about six or seven assistants. There was a guy that grew up in Giles, a little bit older than me, made the Marshall football team. He was a punter. He wasn't on the traveling squad, so he didn't get on that plane. Only the top players, well, the plane crashed, wiped out the whole team practically, except for those not on the traveling squad. Hmm. So then they begin to ask, do we even next year even have a what? Football team. Why don't we just give up on this? There was a guy named Donald Dedman who was the president of Marshall University and said, I think we need to go ahead with it. They thought... We're trying to rebuild a team from scratch. This is almost going to be impossible. He tried to talk them in. By the way, that's the thundering herd, and they do have a football team now, and they're usually pretty good, but they almost just quit altogether. And why do you even remember Donald Edmond's name? Well, I'll tell you. Donald Edmond put everything he had in trying to build back up a team and work on it, but some people didn't agree, so he finally got the team to say, let's have a team and try to keep them going. That was the president of college. Next year, the board of directors, board of visitors, all that. They fired him because they didn't like him trying to rebuild a football team. Donald Edmond moved up to Radford, Virginia and became the president of Radford University and that's where I happened to graduate from and that's who handed my diploma was Donald Edmond. I almost felt like shaking a man's hand and saying thank you for not being a quitter. Well, they need somebody to show up right here and say don't quit. They're fishing. The devil's that's it. Just stay... Give up on this whole change the world gospel thing. Until a person shows up and he calls. Early in the morning, he stood on the shore. The disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Oh, we got another Joshua Bell situation. They didn't see or notice it was the what? Master. They're out there fishing. Guy on the shore comes up. Hey! Who is that? Y'all caught anything? You know what you are when you're a fisherman and you haven't caught anything and somebody yells and asks you that? You want to say, Shut up! No, you don't want to quite... Hey, you caught anything? Yeah! A cold! Did you get... Oh, I haven't caught anything! You know, that's what you feel like saying bye. Nobody like, What'd you make on your test? I didn't do my best. Don't you like it when your best friend sat beside you and you get the paperback and they let on your desk? And, 54, thank you, announce it to the world. <laughs> 54, my best friend made a 54. 
Thank you. Just tell everybody I'm dumber than a bag of rocks. You know, just go ahead and spread it to the world. How about this? I like this. You tell your friends, my, my friend and I made 100 on our test. He made 52, I made 48. We both, we, we both made a... Hey, y'all caught anything? They said no. He said, he, that's the master that they don't know who it is. He, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Next three words are amazing. When they did, stop right there. They took the advice of a total stranger. That's how desperate they are. I don't find too many people that will take the advice of a total stranger. Here's what I'd do if I was you. You're not me. Thanks. You know, that's what you feel like saying. I did have somebody take my advice so one time when I was sitting in country cooking. My wife looked over and saw, that guy's choking. I thought, like this. Do I really have to help? No, I didn't say that at all. I'm trying to finish my pudding. No, I didn't say that. I got up, scooted back, and I went over there, and his wife just looks at me. They're an older couple, and she's panicky, and I said, I looked at him. You always learn in PE. Are you okay? Are you okay? Couldn't answer. You find this, this is a xiphoid process right here. That's a xiphoid. That's a little, it turns to bone after you're old, but this is a xiphoid. You press it, that's a tip of You always want to cover that with shoulder pads because football boys get that hit and it'll break off. Ouch. So you can either find the xiphoid or find your belly button. Come straight up, find it. And I stood him up. I was giving him advice right here, by the way. Do you think he was taking it? Yes. Yep, I'm a total stranger. He's listening to my wife. Stand up. Yeah, he was. Find that trick. No, like it a couple times. Oh, I was performing a Heimlich. Here come a little piece of chicken or whatever it was. And then you start. First words, what? Thank you. Thank you. These guys are going to say thank you to a total stranger. Hmm. Throw your net on the right side. Sure, what have we got to lose? Throw it in. We're not going to catch anything. We've been out here all night. We're going to... John says something right now that's amazing to me. John goes, it's Jesus. How did he know that? See, I love this story. Jesus picked 12 disciples. One didn't remain. There's 11 left. Out of those 11, he's got three really close. They're called the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Out of those three, he's got one best friend. It's John. It isn't amazing your best friend can read you like a book. They're pulling these fish in and you It's Jesus. Peter, upon hearing John say, It's Jesus, knew that it's Jesus. <laughs> Don't miss a beat. Do you? you know, John recognized him first. Jesus hears John say it. And I don't know if he thought this or not, but Peter says, last time I was talking to Jesus, I was saying I denying. So Peter gets all ambitious and jumps in the water and swims. I've heard different stories on that, whatever commentary you read. Some people say Jesus is on the shore. Peter wants to swim there and get there first. I wonder why he wants to meet Jesus first. Race, I'm sure, soaking wet. Jesus, I sure am sorry about denying you. I really am. I don't know. Well, he's seen Jesus a couple times before that, so I don't really think that commentary was right. I just think he wants to get up there and... Jesus, I know I mess up a lot. Matter of fact, I'm sorry I took all these guys fishing. I mean, I haven't given up on you. I was just thinking that maybe you had what? Given up on me. 
Oh, Peter, I haven't given up on you. Why do you think I made the special trip at 4.30 in the morning to come out here? You mean you still love me? Never quit? Matter of fact, I want to ask you, but let's take care of everybody first. Okay. Matter of fact, I love this. Check this out. In John 21, Peter went fishing. May have gone back to fishing for good. Number two, Peter took some other disciples with him. He's very influential. You are too in your little realm there at school. Whatever you do, they'll do. The disciples, some form of fishermen, former fishermen, fished all night, caught nothing. Number four, Jesus shows up and tells them to try something different. Isn't that like Jesus? And he says, listen, where you keep saying that snarkle word or whatever it is, I'm going to help you to keep from doing that. If you memorize this enough, your brain will start locating this instead of pulling up. You know what? You might be, okay, Jesus, I'll try it. Fill her mind with good things instead of the other stuff. They listen, catch more fish than they can barely hold in the boat, and they catch 153 fish in all. So this is my one of my favorite pictures right here. I just thought I'd give you this picture. Here's Jesus on the shoreline. I don't know when it has to be cold. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be cold. Uncle Paul usually does something during the week here at camp. He gives us a, what kind of fire? Campfire. Campfire. And it's cool that it could be 900 degrees. I've been at camps before. We got one in Roanoke, Camp Eagle. 812 degrees, you know. Saw a dog chasing a cat and they both were walking. You know, it was just so, <laughs> they were just, it was just so hot outside. Cat even had a fan. <laughs> And there, it's just so hot. You will have a campfire, though. You know, it's so hot, trees are just dropping up. When we go out there, got the fire going. Shadrach, Meshach inside. You know, it's like, ah. Oh, we were doing marshmallows at this one camp, and they're going like this, going to make s'mores, and going like this. And, you know, it's like, and it caught on fire, and the guy went, <laughs> stuck in a girl's hair about eight feet on. Ah! You know? <laughs> it's like, I like to die laughing. I mean, I was very concerned. Um, he was trying to get the fire out. Just if I got something on my face, yeah, third degree burn. I, anyway, um, sorry. Here we are at the campfire. I love campfires. Here's four thirty in the morning. They're a little bit chilly. They're like you guys. They're like a sweatshirt in the morning. And Jesus says, "I got a campfire for you." Oh, it's just something about campfire. You could do that now, bacon. Uh, you're not even coffee drinking. You smell coffee. Ah, it's like heaven, a slice of heaven. Jesus got a campfire. Look, I got the campfire, and why don't you all come on over? What a warm picture that is. Not just because of the fire, it's because of the Savior. <laughs> so he says, Come on over. And they come over, and they sit down, and they're almost scared. They don't want to say anything because they know it's him, but it's like, What does he come out here to hunt us up for? The disciples have now gathered around Jesus. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, as a pastor, as a friend, as anybody else, that verse means something to me. I can't take care of you spiritually until I take care of you what? Physically. You don't go out and get homeless people and bring them in and the person's half naked and starving to death. Let me tell you about Jesus. How about putting a coat on Him and feeding Him first, okay? Some people don't understand that. We give, I call it free coffee Fridays. We do it at our church. We're a small church. We only have 40 people. We had free coffee Fridays. We give out free coffee on Fridays. 
That's the name. And this man come up last winter. He was just cold. Had on something that probably some of you would call a sweatshirt. And he said, uh, you think you can help me get this shirt on? I went, oh yeah. He said, I can't move my arm. It's, it used to be in a sling, but I can't hardly straighten it out. Oh, bless your heart. Sure. I put down what I had and went over there. He unzipped like the sweatshirt, took it off. He's got a t-shirt on underneath that. Wow. And he says, you want to help me put this on? Another short sleeve shirt. I said, we got to get you in something warm. No, I'm good. Zip that thing up, and I'm thinking, wow. Can I give you a coffee? Well, okay. I really need a blanket. We need to hunch up a blanket. Then. Where are you sleeping? Over there in those bushes. Wow. I got a nice warm bed to go to, and he's sleeping in the woods. It made me feel compassion for him. Sort of breaks your heart. His name was Richard. So I said, Richard, can I get you something to eat? No, I'm going to go on up the road uh, to Taco Bell. I said, okay. Came back a few minutes later. I said, let me buy something to eat. He said, no, I got me something up there, but thank you. But I wouldn't want to take any food you could give to others. The man's homeless, and he's thinking of others. That's the kind of people I love helping. Hmm. So Jesus looks basically and says this, y'all well fed? Yes, sir. Y'all warm enough by the fire? Yes, sir. Good, we're going to go into the spiritual lesson now. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? I don't know who he was talking about, whether it's the other disciples or whether you love me more than these, the fish that are right there. Do you love me more than fishing? Uh, but he got his attention. Do you love me more than these, the fish, the friends, the life? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon John, do you love me? Uh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. It's like, of course. I didn't take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. By the way, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And I'll tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you are older, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. What's that mean? One of these days, it's not going to be like it is right now. Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us that when Peter died, he was so in love with his Savior that he, it came time they wanted to crucify him. And he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Master. So they crucified him upside down. Hmm. And this man called Peter, who's a little bit confused, just needs some direction. And Jesus is giving him another chance. Of course, he's like us. We sometimes, I'm right now speaking to you, God's speaking louder than me, and He's speaking to your heart, and He says, I need you to really dedicate your life to living for me. And you in your mind, some of you might just be thinking, what, what about Him? And in a polite kind of way, Jesus said, I'm not talking to Him, I'm talking to you. Did Peter try that? Simon finally comes down to it and says, verse 19, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. By the way, that's John. Following him, this was the one who had leaned on Jesus there at the Last Supper. So the, yeah, this is John. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Simon Peter, I'm not talking to John. I'll talk to him later. Right now I'm talking to you. I want to make sure we got this thing down. Are you going to love me? Are you going to follow me? 
Jesus answered, If I want Him to remain alive and return, what's that to you? You must follow Me. And I think He made it so clear to him. He says, you're right. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I messed up. I forgive you. I love you. I love you back. You ready to start changing this world, Peter? I'm going to need your help a lot. You got it. Okay. And this old crusty fisherman with tears running down his face says, you really think we can do this? Jesus says, I have faith in you. We're going to be fine. Verse 7. Remember what John said. It's Jesus. I hope you just now said that verse. You know, it's not Edgar talking to me. It's Jesus. Jesus just now told me that I, I might have messed up a lot, but He's ready to forgive me. He forgives Simon Peter. He'll forgive me. He's ready to start me afresh and anew. He wants me in a brand new walk with Him. I don't know why we can go to the library sometimes and we'll take out a book and look at it. Hmm, pretty good. I'm going to check this out. And uh, there you go. And we come back and say, I didn't quite finish this. Can I renew it? Library and church. Think of your Christian walk with Jesus that way. Jesus, I, I gave myself to You and I keep messing up. Can I... Renew my... Absolutely. You're forgiven. Keep living for me. Boy, is it that easy? wasn't easy for me on Calvary, but uh, yeah, it's called mercy. I'll forgive you. I have that authority and ability to. Close with me right through here. They knew it was the Lord after John pointed out. When you say, it's the Master... What did Peter... It's Jesus. Well, that's because John said it. When you go to your schools and you go to your houses and you go to your teammates and you say, I know Jesus, they will suddenly... They might just know Him because you know Him. You start talking about the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. His friends knew it was the Lord. Once John spoke up, everybody knew it was the Master. Good thing John spoke up or they would have missed the Master. Hmm. Yes? didn't have favorites. I think he really had the ones that truly sought him more. Just like I'm not his favorite, but I seek him a whole lot more than I know. Well, they wanted to seek that closer, yeah. And I'm not taking anything wrong from the others. All right. Hey, I'm not one of the original 12 that was called. They got me beat by a long shot. But Simon the Zealot, he was called Simon the Zealot because he was zealous. Uh, he was like, hey, hey, you know, I could just picture him wired, you know, all the time. Well, I'm not that. Maybe these other three, good question. I mean, I'm glad we're digging into Scripture. Maybe they sought him a little bit closer. And Peter, man, he was impulsive. He's the guy that whacked off your ear, chopped off somebody's ear. He's the one that walked on the water. He's the one that you can just fill it in, caught the fish, took the coin out. Peter always seemed, wonder why he picked that guy. Because he needs a leader. Wasn't well, Johnny's favorite? John, I can picture sort of quiet a little bit. Peter's Mr. Impulsive, jumps out there. James, good guy. So I don't know if he had favorites. He just had those that truly seek him. Okay. Peter needed a second chance. Do you? Maybe tonight. Ask yourself this question. Peter needed a second chance. 
Next thing, I'm going to ask you, do you need one? And maybe the last thing I want you to get in your mind is this. You say the first line, God, you are good. I need help. Others need help. Watch me modify that just a little bit. God, you're so good that you sent your son. I need your son. Others need your son. Thank you for sending him. And we're going to take you up on your offer. You want to give us your son? I'll receive him. Jesus loves you, wants to forgive you, and has a plan for you. I don't know why we won't. Well, I know God loves me, but will He really forgive me? He forgave Simon Peter. And if Peter could stand right here right now, he says, guys, He forgave me and I messed up a lot. He'll forgive you. What should I do? Second chance. Start off right now. Brand new. Hmm. He'll do that. I want God to be waving a banner over you. <laughs> God says, victory in this person's life tonight. They just rededicated their life and the Satan goes, lost another battle. I want, to, I want to defeat the devil. And I want us to pray now. And uh, as we pray, pray with me. I'm talking, but we're all praying. I'm just having to be the one speaking, but your heart can do the same. Y'all can speak to God. Dear Jesus, thank You tonight that You offer us a gift of salvation. It's free. We can't work for it, earn it, or anything else. And I don't want to make that complicated. Everybody from the youngest person in this room, whether they're 8 or 63, it doesn't make any difference. They are listening to You right now. God, may You just speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, just roam the room. And Jesus, I pray that they would ask you this. Dear Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? And I know you will because you promised you will. So I'm asking you, please forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And some are saying, Jesus, I've messed up so much, but I've listened tonight and I realize you're the God of second chances. And if I messed up seven times 70, you'd still forgive me. That was news to me. I thought I had a certain limit of sins and then it was over. Oh God, the fact that I can ask you forgiveness and you wipe me clean. I want you to do that. Lord, please forgive me of all my sins and cleanse my life. I rededicate my life to you. And maybe there's others in here that just say, I don't even know what to do. You tell me God loves me, how can He love me? For God so loved the world. He, He loves me? Yes, good news. God loves you. God loves you enough to forgive you. God loves you enough to save you. And God loves you enough to have a plan. Philippians 1.6 He who began a good work in you will perfect it. It is completed until the day He comes back. We're all going to be a work in progress. Once you get saved, that doesn't mean it's easy from now on. It just means we know where to go for forgiveness. Oh, Jesus. I don't know what else to ask. And this, would you speak to our hearts? And I said our hearts because I want you to speak to me too. Lord, there's a spiritual tug of war going on now. The devil wants to pull us away from you. You want to pull us towards you.
I pray that you'd win, Jesus. In Jesus' name.